For 300 years, Enoch walked with God. He didn't give up. He lived in a corrupt world of rebels, and yet he persevered, and God rewarded him. So how about you? Are you tired of the high standards of obedience? And at times, we do get weary. And are you weary of the hassles that obedience brings? And remember, your reward is in the future. It is not now. We're not promised a wonderful life of, of no trials and everything goes our way, would go our way. Point is, don't give up because faith gets rewarded. There is an old story about a funeral for an elderly lady who was well known for her great faith and wonderful cooking. It was an open casket funeral, and as people were paying their respects, they noticed something unusual. Her hands were folded across her chest, as we often see, but in her right hand she held a fork. Everyone was puzzled, but only one person had the courage to ask about it. The daughter of the deceased said that her mom was a wonderful cook, and as she would collect the dishes and get ready to set out the dessert, she would always remind her family and guests to hang on to your forks, the best is yet to come. What a great lesson. No matter how wonderful or miserable our present circumstances, the best is yet to come if we have placed our trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome, friends, to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. For over 25 years, Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries and this daily radio program came about as a way to make his clear, practical teaching available to a wider audience. We have been studying Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, and today is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's first message on the heroes of the faith. So far we have looked at the lives of Abel and Enoch, and we've seen that faith is obedient and that faith is rewarded. Today, Pastor Steve will wrap up his discussion of the obedience of faith and move on to the life of Noah, who will show us another important principle we need to know about faith. So now here is Pastor Steve. Here's the principle. God always rewards his faithful ones. It may not be in this life, but the reward will come because there is always a future for God's people. And I think that's the real reason why God took Enoch home apart from death to teach us that faith gets rewarded. He didn't have to do this. He doesn't normally do this. It's appointed unto people to die. Normally people die. These are, this is a unique exception. But I think it teaches us that faith gets rewarded. And after all, isn't this the whole point of the writer, what he is saying to the Hebrews? If you'll turn back to, uh, to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, he says, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Don't turn your back on Christ. Verse 36, you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may yet receive what was promised. I mean, isn't that the same? Isn't that the point here? In other words, hang in there. You have a future reward coming. So don't uh, walk away from God. Walk with God like Enoch. Walk with him. And you'll receive those promises he has for you, those eternal rewards and the blessings of glory. I think that's the whole point. Faith gets rewarded. You probably will not bypass death unless we are the generation to be raptured. However, the point is, is that we are to walk with God like Enoch did, and God will reward us, whether he chooses that we bypass death or not. So Enoch illustrates that God is a rewarder of those who please him. 
And the only way to please him is what? By faith. Therefore, we come to verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Nothing we do apart from faith pleases God. Nothing we do apart from faith pleases God. But what kind of faith pleases God? The kind of faith that Enoch had. Number one, you have to believe that God exists. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Now, a lot of people look at that and say, well, I believe God is. I believe he exists. It's not simply believing he exists. It's believing he exists as who he revealed himself to be. You see, there are some people who, who believe anything they want about God. They create things in their minds about God. When you speak to them about the God of the Bible, they say, oh, my God is not like that. And they're absolutely right. Their God is not like that because they have invented a God that does not exist, the God of their own imaginations. This verse does not mean that we can believe anything we want about God, call it belief in God's existence. No, to believe that he is means to believe in the true God, to believe in the God of the scriptures, the God who has revealed himself, and not some blasphemous concept we create in our minds and call it God. So you have to understand that. It isn't just a belief in a supreme being. It is belief in the God of the scriptures. That is the only God. Secondly, it's not enough to believe in the God, that the God of the Bible exists because we saw before that the demons also believe this. They Listen, they have good theology. They believe in the one true God. They know of the one true God. But true faith believes that God rewards those who seek him. And what does that mean? It's not enough to believe God exists. We must also believe that God is morally righteous to keep his promises. That God's character is such that he keeps his word. That he rewards those who walk with him, and that's what he did with Enoch. Those who diligently seek him, he rewards. It isn't that God just exists, but that he rewards. And that's why, that's why we persevere. We know that God keeps his word, and that's what Enoch did. That is precisely what he'll do with every one of, uh, of us. We may not escape death now, but we will all receive and experience the wonderful blessings that God has prepared for us after this life. Would you turn, please, to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Listen to this. And this is such an encouragement for those of us who are uh, hanging in there and have difficulties. And I don't know the specifics of what you're going through, but listen to this and understand that, that this life is not all there is. If you suffer now, so be it. There is a future reward for the faithful. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, and that's what life is, a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, watch this, the salvation of your soul. Say, I thought I was already saved. But this is that, this is that final aspect of salvation. 
the redemption of our of our bodies, the 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 new bodies, the the blessings of of heaven, all those things, all the rewards. The reward is the ultimate salvation of our souls. That's that's what he's saying. You are distressed now for a little while, but hang in there, because this life is just a little while. For three hundred years, Enoch walked with God. He didn't give up. He lived in a corrupt world of rebels, and yet he persevered. And God rewarded him. You say, how do you know that it was a corrupt world of rebels? We won't take the time to look this verse up, but you should mark this down in your, in your notes. That Jude, verses 12 through 14, says that, en that Enoch actually preached judgment in his day. He actually preached about the coming of Messiah. And he said that, that he will come, and when he comes, he will bring judgment. Why do you think he did that? Because he was speaking to his sinful generation a wicked generation. And the context of Jude is false teachers and unbelievers who, who have crept in or in the midst of things. And so that was, that was characteristic of his society. So how about you? Are you tired of the high standards of obedience? And at times we do get weary. And are you weary of the hassles that obedience brings? And remember, your reward is in the future. It is not now. We're not promised a wonderful life. Of, of no trials and everything goes our way, would go our way. Point is, don't give up because faith gets rewarded. So the first lesson of faith, faith is obedient. The second lesson of faith is that faith is rewarded. The third lesson of faith is that faith operates in spite of obstacles. Well, you, you can't uh, get faith discouraged to the point that it just walks away. It, it has obstacles. That's, that's how it operates. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. The third hero of faith is the famous Noah. Most of us are familiar with the, that story, that wonderful story, how, how God called him to build an ark and uh, to prepare he, uh, Noah and his family to be saved from the flood, and God sent a uh, worldwide flood on the earth, and it destroyed everyone but Noah and his family and the animals they, they took inside. Now, Noah had some tremendous obstacles, and sometimes we think that we have it rough. Listen to what Noah had. First of all, notice verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen. You talk about having faith. The man had faith in God's word. He had not seen these things. God said, Noah, there's going to be a flood, and he must have thought or said, what's a flood? God may have responded, well, you know, the, when rains come, Noah probably thought, what is rain? It says in the early chapters of Genesis, there was no rain on the earth. Most likely, I don't know if it continued to Noah's time. I suspect that it did, and there was probably a canopy of mist over the earth because things did grow. But I suspect that Noah had never seen rain, had never seen a flood. I suspect he had never seen a seagoing vessel. Even though he had not experienced any of these things, what did he do? He still carried out what God told him to do. Then secondly, so the first obstacle is he, he had not seen these things. Secondly, it says, in reverence, he prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world. 
Do you realize that apart from Noah's family, no one else supported or agreed with Noah? In fact, Noah's faith in God is said to have condemned the world. Why did it condemn the world? Because his faith in God revealed their unbelief. He had faith. They didn't. He built an ark. His family was saved. And I don't know if his family were true believers like, like he was. Genesis doesn't tell us precisely. We know that he was. Noah was, and maybe his family, would be the only believers in the whole world. That's, that's a frightening thought. The only believers. Noah's perseverance is just amazing. Can you imagine sharing the gospel for 120 years and not seeing one single person respond in a positive way? I'm sure he had plenty of response, just not the kind he wanted to see. Just try to imagine the ridicule and joking Noah must have endured. Here he was building something no one had ever seen, and it was huge. There was no way to hide it. He was building something in order to prepare for something that had never happened before, because he was warned by someone that no one else had ever seen or heard. Is it any wonder that his unbelieving neighbors thought he was crazy? Maybe you feel like you're all alone in your faith. Rest assured that, unlike Noah, you are not alone in your faith. There are countless other Christ followers around the world. And remember, when you come to Jesus in saving faith, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. That's the person Jesus called the Comforter. And He will indeed comfort us when we need it and ask for it. And that's a wonderful advantage when it seems that our friends have deserted us. If you have just tuned in and you're wondering what's going on, you're listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air taught by pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of class, keep listening at the end of the program, and I'll let you know how you can hear it again on the Internet. Today's class is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's first message on the heroes of the faith, and it's based on Hebrews chapter 11. As we devote our attention today to the life of Noah, we'll be spending some time in Genesis. So if you have your Bible with you, you can be ready by turning to Genesis chapter 6. Let's get back to class now and see what else we can learn about faith from the amazing life of Noah. Now this is what you, you and I need to get a handle on. Noah believed God under the most severe conditions. He lived in a wicked age that had no regard for God. Could you imagine being the only believer in the whole world? That's what Genesis says. Maybe his family. And that's why God destroyed Noah's age with a flood. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. That's the whole point. It was such a wicked world that God said, everyone's doomed except Noah and his family. I'll start over again. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves and whomever they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with men forever because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Now we could spend a lot of time, uh, much time on verse one and two. What are the daughters of men and the sons of God? That's not the point now, whether they are demons or not. Uh, the point is it's a wicked world. It's a wicked world, so don't, don't worry about that other thing. That's not what we're, what we're even discussing now. It was so wicked that God said, man has only 120 more years to, to live on the face of the earth, and then I'm destroying him and this world with a flood. But we turn to verse 5. 
Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and was grieved in his heart. I mean, imagine that. God felt bad that he made man. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I made him. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was different than anyone else on the face of the earth. And we see this in verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. Verse 12, And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And so God told Noah, as the story goes on, to go build an ark and gave him the dimensions and all that. And uh, Noah, by the way, did more than build an ark. Do you realize that Noah was preaching uh, judgment and repentance for 120 years? It says that in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He was a preacher of righteousness. Noah wasn't just hammering away. Why was hammering and people would come around him and, and say, what are you doing? He would tell them. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. For 120 years, he warned the people. He called them to repent, uh, repentance. And what was their response? Will you turn, please, to Matthew chapter 24? This is truly fascinating. Matthew 24, verse 37. Jesus commented on the days of Noah. Verse 37. For the coming, Jesus said, Matthew 24, verse 37, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. When Jesus comes back, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. For as in those days, which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, it was a wicked world, that's true. It'll be a wicked world when Christ comes again. It is a wicked world. It was a wicked world then. But wickedness is not even what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about? Eating and drinking. Is it wrong to eat and drink? You did it this morning. You'll do it this afternoon. You'll do it tonight. Uh, he said they're, they're getting married. Is it wrong to get married? No. No, it's not wrong to get married. What he is saying is, is this, that in the days of Noah, it was life as usual. Nobody cared. Everybody went on their business as usual. Noah was preaching judgment, and they went on their merry ways, and they ate, and they drank, and they got married, and they had kids, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. So when Jesus comes, that will be the case. They will eat, and they will be drinking, and they will be getting married, and they will be having children, and life will go on as usual, and then the judgment of Christ's return. See, they were unresponsive to Noah, and that's the way it is today. And like Noah, we are called to serve God by faithfully obeying him, even when people oppose us, even when there's all kinds of obstacles, even when they sneer at us. Do you imagine, can you imagine the ridicule that Noah received? I mean, they must have thought this guy was a nut. Nobody had ever seen rain, nobody had ever seen a flood, probably never saw a seagoing vessel, and here's this guy building this huge ark. And getting animals ready. I mean, that's they must have called him Nutty Noah. I mean, that's a strange sight. Imagine your mind. And hey, there are people who say some pretty cruel things about Christians today. But faith operates alone if necessary when nobody else agrees with you. Faith takes the word of God even if you stand alone. 
even if no one else joins you, no one else agrees with you, it operates under the worst of conditions because it believes God. And why? Why? Notice the rest of verse 7. And became, speaking of Noah, became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. The reason Noah trusted God concerning the flood was because Noah was already a true believer. He had received God's righteousness, just like Abel. He had received God's righteousness when he first came to believe in the Lord. We don't know the details of this, why Noah was different than anybody else, but he was. And his act of faith in building the ark was the evidence of his spiritual condition. In other words, he had been saved by God. He had been a true believer. And when God called him to build the ark, he said, sure, sure. Because that's the way, that's the way faith is. It operates in obedience. It knows that there's a reward. And there was a reward for Noah, a very tangible one, that he and his family were delivered. But also because it operates in spite of obstacles. You see, true believers trust God regardless of the obstacles. They live by faith, and they don't abandon the Lord even when it gets rough. And that was the message of the Hebrews. Don't abandon the faith. And that's, that is really what the Hebrews needed to hear, and that's what we need to hear. Do you want to have a life of faith? Do you want to live like this? If you want a life of faith like this, the first thing you must do is come to faith in Jesus Christ. Trust Jesus Christ alone as the only way to heaven. Not Jesus Christ and church affiliation. Not Jesus Christ and baptism. Not Jesus Christ and your good works. Because if you have all those good things, then why do you need Jesus Christ? You don't. And you can't get to heaven except through faith in Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. There is no other way. It is Jesus and him alone. That's the first step. That is your trust. That is what faith is. It is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal destiny. But once that happens, then your life will be characterized by, number one, a faith that obeys like Abel. You'll obey, and you need to desire to obey more. Secondly, a faith that perseveres for future reward, like Enoch and a faith that operates in spite of obstacles like dear Noah. So this is the kind of faith that God wants for us, and this is what we can cultivate as we spend time in the Word of God, and we pray and ask the Lord to build these truths into our lives so that we'll be men and women of faith. As you can tell, we're just getting started in our study of the heroes of the faith. Today's lesson was the conclusion of Pastor Steve's first message on the subject. In our next class, we'll begin another message that continues the study. This is such an important study because if we want to please God, we must have faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. What kind of faith and where to place it are important though. Faith placed in the wrong place won't help us. A drowning person will grab at anything to try to survive, but not just anything will help keep them afloat. In the same way, not just any object of faith will save us from the power and penalty of our sin. Speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter said in Acts chapter 4, There is no other name on earth given among people by which we must be saved. You have been listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Let me tell you a little bit about our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's the place to go if you want to hear today's class again, or if you want to hear any of our previous classes. 
We offer a free podcasting service for those people who want to make sure that they never miss a program. Once again, it's versebyverseradio.org. While you're there, you may want to sign up for our complimentary newsletter. To hear the entire message at once, you may order a cassette or an audio CD. Please call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. We hope you can be with us throughout this study of the heroes of the faith. If there's one person who is most likely to come to mind when we think of faith, it's probably Abraham. He will be our subject when we return for our next verse-by-verse radio Bible class. I hope to see you then. 